Hello and welcome to the Alternative Podcast. Uh, today we've got Andre with us, um, who we met through Alt Media. Um, he also has a podcast as well, which we're going to ask him about in a moment. Um, but I just want to give a quick shout out. We just earlier on in the call were talking about Mark Steves and how he's put together um, a great sort of website, a good, great community called um, Alt Media. I'll leave the details of it in the description below. Uh, but that's what's given us a chance to um, sort of interview these great guests that we've been having on lately and what we're going to have today. Uh, so Andre, tell us a, a bit about your podcast, uh, why you started it, wh- where the name came from, because that's something I'm definitely interested in, and just a bit about your journey into into podcasting. Yeah, man. Um, well, uh, to start off, like I'm just a regular guy, um, always, you know, was questioning from a kid. Or, um, as a little kid, you know, always getting told I was asking too many questions and, you know, it, it would always end up in like, because I said so, and that, that answer never set well with me and, you know, um, just growing up that way, um, raised in Catholic school, um, you know, just kind of questioning the status quo of things and like, who am I, what is my purpose here? Uh, what's the world all about? Like seeing, ongoing wars in the world and stuff like that like stuff that like didn't make sense to me growing up um you know just starting to ask those deeper questions and that kind of set me on my own journey and uh you know a spiritual journey um you know just trying to f- make sense of um you know what to believe in as far as um is there a higher power behind all this like is there a creator um do I need church anymore? Like is church really serving my highest purpose in this life as far as like what I'm getting from it and what I'm giving to it. And, uh, you know, that, that took some trials and tribulations, but ultimately I got into podcasts, um, back in 2012, um, or around there. It started with, um, my buddy introducing, me to the Joe Rogan experience, um, which obviously Joe is like a huge renegade and um, podcasting and to see, you know, him get the big Spotify deal in the last couple of years was, I think um, it speaks to like what you can accomplish uh, within the podcasting realm. Um, you know, although Joe already had clout and fame before, you know, the podcast he did just start it in his basement, not really taking it seriously. (laughs) And to see what it's grown into is like pretty miraculous. But, uh, so that was, that was the first podcast I got introduced to. And then like getting more into stuff I was interested in, whether it was conspiracies or spirituality, you know, these sorts of taboo subjects. Um, it was deep inside the rabbit hole, uh, with, uh, um, it was Tim Rothschild, uh, David Weiss and Mike Cannon, a uh, comedian from New York. And they were, they, they just had such a unique um, dynamic to the conversation. I mean, you had a, a comedic skeptic and Mike Cannon, you had uh, a hardcore conspiracy theorist, flat earth, uh, now known as like a big flat earther, Dave Weiss. And then uh, Tim Rothschild, like forget his name. He's adopted. Like (laughs) he's not tied to the family, but he, he was like the spiritual mystic of the bunch. So you had like these three different perspectives and like just the way they could, um, you know, create such a 
awesome conversation that you felt like you were a part of. And I think that's the unique thing about podcasting is, you know, when you feel like you don't have a community, whether it's on taboo subjects or like mundane subjects that you just don't have any like-minded individuals around you that you can like bounce ideas off of, have open conversations with, like it allowed you to be a part of a conversation in a bigger community that you might not have known was out there before you got into podcasts. And that's how it felt for me. It just gave me a sense of community that I was missing. Cause you know, when I would talk to a lot of my friends about this, um, when I was first, you know, getting turned on to certain things, um, you know, a lot of them looked at me like I was crazy or like, what the hell are you talking about? And, you know, I just couldn't like get anywhere with them. So like, you know, I, I started to gain some allies and friends locally where, you know, I could have open-minded conversations and that's grown and grown and grown. And, you know, it's been uh, a beautiful experience to and um, take part in and, you know, witness, but um, that's where it all started um, were those two shows. And then um, some other big ones for me were London Real and Tinfoil Hat. Um, early on, um, as far as like the ones I was really, um, listening to on a regular basis and really enjoying and kind of thinking like, man, I, I really could do this too. Like I was, you know, gaining, um, friends and community around me locally where I was having these conversations, like on a nightly basis, just, you know, passing a doobie around and like having a intellectual discussion. Like I was like, man, we need to start recording these. And for the longest time, like I was always waiting for like my friends to like, you know, hold my hand and like walk me to the finish line of, all right, today we're starting a podcast. And, um, you know, it, it was always like, okay, our schedules didn't match up or like, um, they weren't taken as seriously as I was or vice versa. We couldn't agree on a name, whatever it was like, it just didn't manifest how I saw it happening as much as I wanted it to. And there was like a group of four guys I was, you know, conversating with about this, like just to start recording a podcast. And then part of the resistance too early on was like, well, I need all this recording equipment. I have no expertise in audio engineering or any of that. You know, I was starting completely from scratch and once I realized like, oh, I have a smartphone, I have a laptop in my pocket. I could literally record a podcast right now if I wanted to, like, that's when I stopped making the excuses. But, you know, around that time, um, I had done my first ayahuasca ceremony as well, which really, uh, opened me up to my potential and, um, you know, broke open a new, uh, found confidence within me. Um, to, you know, speak my truth and share my truth and not be afraid of what others thought anymore. And really um, just unapologetically just being myself and, um, you know, putting, putting my mark here on earth, you know, and like leaving a legacy that I can look back on and say like, well, you know, I can wait around and, uh, wait for my friends to do this with me, or I can just do it and stop making excuses and stop getting in my own way. Because when you take a look in the mirror and like start to identify your shadows and like what makes you tick your triggers, like all these things that you've been running from your whole life, you know, whether it started in childhood, whatever, 
you know, I, I think that's, that's where the awakening journey comes full circle is like looking outside externally of like, what, what are the problems with the world? Um, you know, it comes back to you and you start saying, okay, what are the problems with me? Or what are like poisons I've ingested throughout my life, uh, philosophically, metaphorically speaking of like, um, I'm, I'm infecting others with this and I'm further infecting myself by like holding on to it and not letting go of it. And, uh, that's, that was a major help too, is just like getting out of my own way and like taking that leap of faith and, to find out, dude, like, I think it was like Terrence McKenna said, uh, you, you dive into the abyss, you found you're only, uh, only to find out that it's, uh, a bed full of feathers or something like that. You know, like you like have all this anxiety and fear of what it's going to be. You're like, I can't do this. Like, what are people going to think? Uh, what is my family going to think? What are my friends going to think? Like, uh, am I going to be a complete failure? Like, are people going to like this? Are people even going to listen to this? But like, you got to get past that to like, just put yourself out there and do the damn thing. And that's exactly what I did, man. And like, um, you know, I quickly found out that like, you know, I think we're raised to think like, it's just this dog eat dog world. And, uh, it's a survivalist mentality and everyone's out to get each other. And I think you see that a lot in like the sales world and, a lot of the matrix systems that exist, you know, within career paths and all that. But I found out within the podcast realm, man, like everyone was looking to help out everyone else. And it was completely the opposite of what I was used to. And that was so refreshing early on and really um, kept me going forward. And, you know, once the calendar started filling up and you see, well, you know, I'm booked for months out. Like I have no other choice, but to keep going with this. And, uh, that kept me motivated and kept me inspired and, you know, just to be doing it. Um, you know, sometimes you had to pinch yourself, like, am I dreaming? Cause some, some of the people you get to talk to, it's like, literally you never in a million years get to speak to some of these people had you not had a podcast as the medium to get you there and to like facilitate that space to have that conversation. And, you know, I just treated every guest as if um, they were just another human being, man, not put them on a pedestal, see them as a reflection of myself. And for me, um, you asked about the name. I'll get to that as well. I know this is a long answer to your question, but um, the name came about in a poem I had wrote many years ago. Um, you know, that's kind of a creative outlet for me is writing poetry. And I wrote down that, uh, rhyme in the poem. It was like, um, this is the ascension of the chessmen. And to me, that meant, uh, ascending above, um, this, you know, matrix chess, chessboard reality, like I just described, like this dog eat dog world uh only to find that you know we're all reflections of ourselves and like when we're sitting here pointing the finger at someone else we got three pointing back at ourselves and like if we can get past all that and start to face our own shadows we can rise above this divide and conquer uh system being played upon us which metaphorically i look at it as like a chess game and it's like yeah you can sit there and be the pawn and uh get trampled upon and just be like a drone in the system like everyone else and be a yes man and just you know get your four-year degree and 
uh, start your career, get your cookie cutter house, settle down, get married, like the traditional path, or you can like, you know, take life into your own hands and like create your own destiny, if you will, and um, rise above that game and see that you have something to learn from literally every human you encounter in this life. And, you know, even when you think you're not learning, you are, and that's just your own ignorance keeping you from that right fruit that's being fed to you in the form of teaching. Like we're all constantly like um, switching back between teacher and student. Uh, I've come to learn through my own life experiences. And I think it's a humble way to like go about life. And um, Ascension of the Chessmen was a rhyme that always stuck with me. And uh, it was a unique name that I felt uh, would set myself apart. And I also like that it started with the letter A because it puts you at the top of a list. Uh, but I mean, it, it was just a name that always stuck with me and uh, I'm happy I stuck with it because I think it's it's unique and uh, there's no other name out there like it. <laughs> and I don't think anyone will copy it. And some people like get confused by it, but it it, it, it uh, gives me more meaning to explain it uh, with more depth every time. And there's so many metaphors for chess uh, within the truth community. And I just wanted to play off that. And then in every Masonic temple, you got the checkered board floor. And uh, um, I, I also always tell the story of a pastor early on in my journey. Um, that was a big mentor of mine early on in my awakening. Um, first first guy that I could really talk about the Illuminati with and, you know, these taboo subjects. And, um, he had told me the story of how he became a pastor. Um, he was on this LSD trip and in a very rough spot in his life at the time. And there was like all this commotion. He was living in a trap house in a really rough neighborhood. And he was, he was just sitting by himself in the kitchen and this chessboard flew off the table and it landed perfectly on the floor and there was one piece still standing on the board and it was a white king. So he saw that as a sign uh, to, you know, take a higher purpose in life and become a pastor, which that story always stuck with me, like as crazy as that sounds like. And ironically, many years later, uh, after being, uh, you know, a loyal uh, churchgoer in that church and uh, helping out a lot, um, I would go on to have my own LSD experience, which totally broke me wide open as far as uh, what it was like to encounter what we would call God or all that is and realizing I am the all, the all is me, like just those big breakthrough realizations uh, came to the forefront for me through my own unique experience of my own. And I always tied it back to that initial story he told me um, because I was I was always like uh, relying on the experiences and stories of others up to that point until I had my own direct experience. And I think as long as um, you're relying on other stories rather than your own, you're going to continually fall short of like what you're looking for. And that's kind of been my life journey thus far. That's really interesting because one thing I would say is um, from what you've, you, you said a lot there, but there was, so much of it I can relate to just from the journey of starting this podcast with Aaron. Uh, e even going to the letter of the uh, our podcast name starting with A as well, because that's something we both identified as. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, 
the algorithm. <laughs> with you going to Catholic school, and I, I take it you was brought up in a Catholic family if you went to a Catholic school. Yeah. Um, is, then you sort of mentioned that you detached yourself from church and sort of um, organized religion, I think it's called. How difficult of a transition is that? Because I know schools, obviously, where you learn all your fundamental like, foundations of life. But at the same time, schools ultra restrictive and even the way I can look at a Catholic school is it's even more restrictive because then you've got the rules of religion behind it as well. How difficult of a detachment was that to make? Man, it, it was really tough um, because, you know, I so I was baptized and grew up Lutheran originally, uh, you know, as a baby, I was baptized Lutheran. My mom actually grew up Catholic and my dad grew up Lutheran. So, um, you know, I had a lot of, um, differences within my household. Um, me and my brother were complete opposites. Uh, my parents were complete opposites in a lot of ways. Like I said, my mom was Catholic and my, my dad was Lutheran, uh, growing up. And then, um, my mom was also Republican and my dad was a Democrat and my dad, um, was a local politician. He was a county clerk for a number of years, 40 years, and also election commissioner. So I was around politics from a very young age. Like, um, my dad wasn't challenged in politics for most of his career. So, um, we didn't have to do, you know, the political parades all the time, but I did have to do a few of those and just to like, see like what a circus it all is, uh, directly, even on the local level. Like my dad wasn't anything very high up, but like he was tied in with, you know, people that were at those levels. So, you know, just having some unique experiences in that regard, um, you know, I'll never forget, um, as a kid, we, uh, my dad got invited to see George W. Bush speak, uh, here locally in Omaha at the air force base. And my dad was the only Democrat in the whole, uh, Republican County and state. And, uh, we, my dad's in a wheelchair. He broke his neck at 15. Um, I don't know if you guys know that about me, but, uh, yeah, my dad's always been paralyzed, uh, ever since I was a kid. So I, I've never known my dad, uh, with functional legs. So that's, that was a challenge in and of itself as a kid, um, just to like, you know, feel normal compared to the other kids. But, um, so he, he got invited to this, uh, George W. Bush speech and being a Democrat, Bush was a Republican. So, uh, he's, he's a handicapped guy. So, uh, the people running the show, like, um, uh, take us all the way to the front to, uh, see the speech commence. And shortly after, like five minutes after we get wheeled to the front, they're like, oh, he's a Democrat. And they wheeled us all the way to the back. Once they found that out, and I was like, what? That was like eight at the time. <laughs> I was like, this doesn't make any sense to me. I was like, you're doing us dirty like that just because of his team he's on or whatever. And <laughs> that was a funny experience early on where I was like, okay, something isn't right here with this whole political thing. And so going back to religion, sorry to get off there, but I just thought I'd throw that in. Um, you know, uh, so my parents were very different, um, seeing different, um, not only political affiliations, but um, religions they were brought up in. And 
for those who aren't familiar with either or, I would say Lutheran is like a Catholic light. They're very similar. Um, they have very minor differences, but obviously uh, Martin Luther had his disagreements with the church and rebelled and started his own church and yada, yada. Um, but so I was baptized Lutheran, grew up in a, a Lutheran school until about second grade. Um, I was having trouble reading and had a speech impediment uh, back then. And um, we had a girl in our class that was down syndrome that was constantly disrupting class. And I just couldn't get the attention I needed uh, individually to like get caught up um, with the other kids and I was getting behind. So uh, my parents decided to send me to public school temporarily. Um, at least I didn't think it was temporarily at the time. Um, like once they had found I was doing really well there and made some good friends and was thriving. Um, my brother got into some juvenile trouble. Um, oh, when I was in about fifth grade, he was in junior high and, um, him and his friends decided to break into a fireworks stand and, uh, got caught. And, um, so, you know, he got a slap on the wrist, but my parents took it upon themselves to like discipline him by sending him to a Catholic school to, you know, essentially get him back on the right path, I guess, which it did work. He's doing very well and very successful, uh, chemical engineer, very smart guy. Um, we have our differences, uh, but so that's, that's how we initially, uh, swung back over to Catholicism. Um, and my mom had a lot of struggles within her own family. Um, she was the oldest of nine kids. Um, I grew up in an environment where part of the time we were cool with my mom's side of the family, part of the time we weren't. And there's like this, um, very dysfunctional, uh, environment within the home and with outside family members, um, very different sides of the family. Um, my dad's side was more democratic. My mom's side was more small town, rural Republican farmers. And, you know, I just had very different, um, sides on each side. So that kind of gave me, um, just new perspectives on things. And, um, so I, I had went to this Catholic school it was very different than what I was used to. I remember like being mad at my mom for weeks, like <laughs> wouldn't even talk to her on the way home. Cause I was just so upset, like having to wear uniforms every day. And I remember my first day of school, man, like I got a a football thrown at my face, like had a bloody nose. Like it was just, you know, a complete embarrassment, uh, that first day and like just getting accustomed to, okay, well, I guess I'm stuck here now. And I, I either gotta get used to it and like evolve and, you know, just make friends and like make the most of it, or, you know, I'm going to, you know, have a hellish time here. So I did the best I could. And, you know, I have, good friends from there still and, um, had some good experiences within it. Uh, I never really got into being an altar boy, thankfully. So like I never got molested in that way. Um, but I don't doubt that I was friends with kids that maybe had those experiences. Um, I had some, um, unique experiences, just being forced to take religion class every year. You either had, uh, a priest or a nun that was teaching that class. And 
just picking their brain on, you know, different questions that, you know, naturally come up as a kid, <laughs> you know, not just going along with everyone else and starting to realize that once you start to ask those questions, you know, uh, they either didn't have answers or would get up in arms about it. And, you know, like I wasn't trying to cause harm. Like I was honestly just curious, like why we believe certain things or why we can't do these certain things, like just, you know, common questions. And, um, you know, some that really struck me early on was, uh, my sophomore year, I had a priest that was a licensed exorcist, um, teaching my religion class. And I always found it odd that he showed us, um, the exorcism of Emily Rose Hollywood production movie in class, but like he wouldn't answer any questions about his own experiences with exorcisms. And like, I get, they like take an oath of secrecy and all that, and they can't speak about it and teach their own on that. But it's like, that is a little fishy to me that you would, you know, blatantly show us something fake, like a Hollywood production, like, you know, draw in more fear from us surrounding the topic um, rather than just like having an open conversation about your own experiences and like, you know, just brushing over anything um, regarding questions um, surrounding it. So that, that was weird to me. And then like, um, you know, having to go to stations of the cross and confession and all this stuff um, to me, it didn't make sense to have a guy that's never been married or a guy that could or cannot be a pedophile. Once you get into that stuff, to not only like, um, you know, tell your deepest, darkest secrets to, and like console you on that, like as a therapist, if you will, um, to like help you through those experiences when he probably doesn't have any direct experiences of his own to relate to that. And maybe even worse, like he's like fantasizing in his own mind with those secrets that you're revealing to him. And then like to find out that like, this guy, um, you know, a priest is also, um, the one that's given marriage counseling, um, to converts that are converting to Catholicism and like helping them to have a healthy marriage. And I'm like, wait a minute, a guy that has never been married, has never had kids is like advising you on what a healthy relationship would look like. Like something's not adding up here. And like, my parents had to go through all that. And like, unfortunately, they got divorced many years later. So like it didn't add to success and, you know, things go where they will in that regard. But, you know, it, I just was starting to get to roadblocks of like, okay, I just don't buy into this anymore. And like everyone around me did. And like, I was going along with it because I had no other choice, but I just knew like the water was running dry for me. And like, I, I didn't, feel like this was, um, my belief system or like, this is what was filling my cup as far as spirituality or trying to connect with God. Like I always felt like it was, it was just not doing it justice. And like, I would see my dad, like falling asleep during homilies on Sundays in church, like Catholic church is very dry. Like, I'm like, if something's lighting you up inside spiritually, like my dad wouldn't be falling asleep during yeah. the most important part of the service, you know? <laughs> So, uh, that's kind of where I lost my way as far as like Catholicism, but that's what I was raised in. So, you know, once I graduated high school and, you know, moved to go to college and stuff, um, I was 
kind of lost spiritually. I was like, where do I, where do I turn from here? And, you know, starting to learn about the dark side of Catholicism and uh, all the pedophiles and the priests just getting shifted to a different parish when they were caught. Um, that was like very, uh, uh, how, how should I say, like very shocking to me or like not so shocking in the sense of like, I always felt there was something odd about the whole thing, but to like find out about that, I was like, okay, I definitely want nothing to do with that church. But at the same time, once you're raised in that, like um, raised with the religious dogma in that way, like nothing against anyone that's religious, but like um, you think that that's the only framework you have to connect to something greater than yourself. So for me at the time, I was like, okay, Catholicism's not it. So what else is out there with within Christianity? Because I thought, you know, Christianity is the only truth out there. Um, what's, what's the verse in the Bible? Like I am the way, the truth and the life or whatever, uh, Jesus is quoted as saying. And a lot of people, I think, take that out of context or like grip onto that. So, uh, close to their heart that they can't see anything outside of that, or they can't, um, take in wisdom from other avenues. And, um, that was me at the time, man. Like I started to get into, um, you know, 9-11 and the lies about cannabis and, um, you know, just other conspiracies, um, um, getting into the end time stuff and the, uh, Mayan, Mayan calendar ending and, uh, the prophecies of 2012. And there's all these movies coming out about the end of the world and the apocalypse is here. And there was a lot of fear in me surrounding that because I was externalizing everything. I, I had never taken the time to go within and like I was um, looking at everything outside of myself as like there's there's where the answers are like I don't have them I need to search externally to find them. And um, so at that time, um, I had sought out a few different churches I went to like this big Berean church it was like a evangelical Christian church, and it was like a giant concert and that was cool. Like it felt like going to a live concert with Christian music. And I was like, I, I don't know. I just didn't like connect like one-to-one. -one. It just felt like too big to like feel like individualized. And I went to this real small Pentecostal church uh, for the first time. And that's where I met that pastor I had mentioned earlier. And we really connected. Like he was telling me he had like DVDs on uh, Jay-Z being Illuminati and like, <laughs> We just really connected on like, yeah. you know, taboo conspiracy shit. And um, we related a lot. Like he, he consumed a lot of cannabis early on in his life. Like I was at that time and, you know, still do from time to time. Um, but he just really was the mentor I needed at that time in my life. And, you know, um, a few years later, after really being a prominent member of the church, I mean, we had really small services, like on a good day, we would have like 30 people. Like it was a really small, like intimate setting of a church. Um, and it was much more, uh, uplifting and lively, like, uh, people screaming out the songs and, um, people speaking in tongues and just seeing stuff I had never seen before. And, um, it just felt like right to me at the time, but like the longer I was a part of it and I was also like, um, bear with me, but I was also in my like party stage of 
you know, figuring things out in life and, you know, going into college and partying every weekend and like, you know, really in that and like trying to balance out, like going to church every Sunday still and like going to church hungover. Like I was that type of commit committed, you know, I was helping out running the slideshow in the back, but the night before I was like having a bunch of drinks at my house with friends, like, you know, partying and something wasn't matching up. It's like, I was expecting the church to change me rather than me taking the first step to change myself. So I was experiencing a lot of shame in the homilies when they were talking about be sober minded and, you know, all the sinning and like, we're a born sinner, like we're born dirty or something and we need to get clean. Right. We need to be baptized. And I never did end up getting baptized. Uh, my mom did get rebaptized. I mean, obviously I was baptized as a baby as a Lutheran, but um, I never did end up getting baptized, but I would go on to have my own um, LSD experience, which I had had a LSD experience prior in uh, my senior year of high school, the day before my senior pictures. And it was a crazy experience, like very recreational, didn't have like any big spiritual ahas from it. Um, but it was an experience and it like got my feet wet and like, at least, um, let me know what territory I was getting into with that drug. Um, I don't even like to call it a drug. I think it's a, it's a catalyst, um, to newfound ideas and, um, places of consciousness or states of consciousness. But, um, I had, I had that experience early on kind of scared me away from it. Really what got me to try it initially was um, the Beatles had the song Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. I'm like, that song was obviously about LSD. It's the quote unquote greatest band of all time. A lot of people tab them as. And then um, there was this Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher, Doc Ellis, um, who threw a no hitter in Major League Baseball on LSD, uh, which he tells the story about. And I was like, how in the hell did this guy throw a no hitter on LSD? Like, I got to try this at least once in my life. So my friends had like talked me into it. And we all did it together and like had a fun time. I just remember laughing a lot, but I didn't do it for a very long time after that, like years, a couple of years, two, three years, um, you know, tried mushrooms the first time um, within a year after that. And um, we thought we were done experiencing the experience and decided to drive back, um, to where we were staying. And that was like a 20, 30 minute drive. And then, uh, the mushrooms kicked in on our way back. So, uh, it was a rough trip home. Uh, it took probably an hour and a half to get back and <laughs> switch driving, uh, two or three times throughout that experience. Like had a lot of visuals going on <laughs> It, that scared me away for a while. Cause I was like, uh, I had no one I could relate to. I had no one I could talk to about these things. Like I just had no roadmap to like embark on these journeys. So like, I honestly like tried them and put them down for a good two years. And then, um, I had another opportunity after I'd been going to this church for a while partying. Um, and that's the one that really broke me open and gave me a whole new perspective on life. And I just had this sense of like everything I knew to be true was a lie, like literally everything. And like, it was the humble lesson of like, um, you don't know anything. And like, 
that's okay. Like, uh, it's a beautiful thing actually, because now you, now you can learn from a whole new perspective on literally everything and to like, um, reset you in a sense of like, okay, now you can take in new information without like a bias and like ingesting that information. So that allowed me to like propel myself forward. Um, and also like had the intuition to like, um, decide to take a step back from the church and, um, decide that, all right, I had to part ways and this wasn't the path that I was meant to set out upon, but I had gained what I needed from it at that time. Um, my parents, uh, I had also influenced my parents to go to that church as well. So that was a hard period to like, let them know like this church, I had like got them to start coming to regularly and be a big part of like, I was deciding to withdraw from it at this point. And that was a hard conversation I had to have, but they understood and they respected that, um, you know, they supported me and like, that's what I had chose. And, you know, I was getting into meditation at this time. Um, really, um, still trying to, um, integrate that whole breakthrough experience which I was still figuring out how to do. Like I, like I said, I didn't have any people to talk to. Luckily I had a friend that was getting me into meditation at the time. Um, but I was, uh, you know, just trying to figure things out, started to get into, uh, astrology and different healing modalities at that time. And just the more spiritual side of things, because I had so much fear from getting into conspiracies that I just didn't have a balance or like, a. uh, a, a positive input to like ground me in the sense of like thinking the world's not going to end or like prophecies are playing out or like the fallen angels, the fallen angels are here and all this like far out shit. But like spirituality uh, really started to take um, hold for me at that time. Um, started to uh, get into a new relationship and had a lot of, um, major, um, wake up calls as far as, um, having to raise a stepson throughout that portion of my life. And, um, you know, had, had to grow up very quickly. I was very young and, um, gotten into a relationship where, um, she had already had a son and, um, I was stepping into a new role in that regard. So that helped me grow up in a lot of ways. Um, and, um, just, started to get more into astrology and, uh, these sorts of subjects and then, um, getting into crystals and stuff like that. But, um, to get past that period, um, that relationship ended up not working out, but, uh, we had decided to, um, do a ayahuasca ceremony, um, as we parted ways. And, uh, that broke me open in a whole new capacity um, spiritually speaking and just getting to really know myself on a deep level and getting to understand like how much I was numbing out, um, in a lot of ways, um, with cannabis. And, um, you know, I, I love cannabis to death. Like, I think it's a beautiful plant medicine has, it's a great tool, um, to help us question things and tap into our creativity and all sorts of great things, but it also can become a crutch just like alcohol or anything else and numb us out to our emotions and what it means to be human. And that was the first time I was able to feel again. And, um, for, you know, probably 10, 15, 20 years of my life, just, 
you know, shutting off, um, from traumatic experiences as a child, um, you know, that got me in this fight or flight survivalist, uh, mindset of like, um, not wanting to feel my emotions and like when tough emotions would come up, not wanting to face them or feeling like as a man, like I can't fucking cry. Like that's what pussies do or like, you know, just like getting over these uh, barriers I had within myself. And, um, you know, that tapped into this newfound confidence I had towards starting a podcast and taking that more seriously, but also try and stand up comedy the first time. And really like what set ayahuasca apart from my other psychedelic experiences, having done LSD and mushrooms and trying DMT um, up until that point, you know, having various um, compelling, um, you know, insightful experiences up to that point. But ayahuasca, man, um, totally shifted my perspective of like what these were and like um, how they were supposed to be used and like the respect I was giving to them. Because, you know, it's one thing to just like last minute decide, yeah, I'm going to trip out and like have a good time or like go to a music festival or something like this, just use them recreationally, like go to the bar, like, um, there's a set and setting where these, um, medicines, I would call them are meant to be, um, taken in and to get the most out of, and to really get the therapeutic benefits that they're meant to have to give to you. Um, if, if you're willing to, you know, take the leap of faith and have the courage um, to take that deep dive with you and yourself, because I think, you know, myself included, a lot of us were afraid to face what we don't like about ourselves, our inner insecurities to like really, um, look at those shadow aspects that maybe we don't want to look at, or like, we're afraid to acknowledge, like, we just want to say that's evil. That's bad. That's like Satan. You know, we want to externalize it and blame someone else for what's a part of us rather than like love and give attention to that part of ourselves and understand why it exists and how we can use it to our benefit rather than our downfall. And, um, you know, those were huge, um, huge, huge, um, inspirations for me or insights that came through of man, like, um, I've been running from a lot in my life and, uh, it, it really changed my perspective on like what it meant to embark on like a plant medicine journey or ceremony and every journey since then, um, which there hasn't been many, it's, it's really turned my life into the psychedelic experience itself and realizing that life itself is the trip. And like, you know, you're integrating a heavy experience like that for years and years, your whole life after the experience, like understanding, oh, that small part of the experience, like, oh, that's what it was trying to show me like uh, way back then, but I didn't understand it then. But once you're in that experience in life where that experience comes up, you're like, oh, now I understand I have the tools to deal with this in the right way and stuff like that. So that's just kind of been my journey. And, you know, uh, I guess I'll leave it there for now, but, um, uh, just to like, you know, paint the picture of where I've journeyed, um, from religion to spirituality and like tying the two together and starting to see the connections, um, within, um, religion, um, to the more esoteric components to them. 
and starting to draw connections between them all. And like, they're all rivers to the same ocean. Like they all have uh, things to teach us about ourselves. Like it's all the hero's journey, if you will. And if we can put ourselves in the shoes of the characters in each of these texts, I think we can get the deeper message trying to relate to us of like, we play all these characters throughout our lives. And like, we can relate to all these stories because those stories are going on in our own lives in different ways. Um, but that's where, um, I found like the alchemical gold, if you will, is like starting to apply, um, the Bible to like my life or the Bhagavad Gita or like all these different texts. Um, yeah, it's been eye-opening, um, and getting introduced to sweat lodge, uh, here locally and getting into native American traditions has been, a huge integration tool um, since getting back home along with uh, breath work and meditation and these sorts of things. What um, what sort of stuff do you do around Native Americans uh, to help you on your sort of path? Yeah. Um, so, oh, about five years ago, um, I was at a buddy's concert of mine and uh, a friend of his um we started talking and, um, I had said, I just got back from an ayahuasca ceremony and it's like, Oh yeah, I've always wanted to uh, journey with ayahuasca. And, um, he's like, I do sweat lodge here locally and I've tried peyote and, uh, I've done a peyote ceremony and I'm like, what? Like I've always wanted to try a sweat lodge. And, um, so he introduced me to a sweat lodge here locally. Um, there's, many sweat lodges all over the place. Um, I think you just got to meet the right people and make the right connections, but, um, they're usually very welcoming, um, uh, to people of all colors and creeds. Um, if you look at the native American medicine wheel, um, you have the black, you have the black, red, white, and yellow, uh, colors, which represent the four root races, the four directions, like, um, everyone's included in that. It's not like you have to, you know, be wearing a suit and say, Jesus Christ is your Lord and savior to walk in the door. Like, no, like it doesn't matter what creed you, um, decide to believe in, like, um, you're there to purify and detox and, uh, purge, you know, you're, you're crawling in there. Um, so it's basically made of, uh, willow branches cause they bend easily and it creates, like, like this uh mound like structure and they they in the olden days they would put uh buffalo skins or animal skins on top uh and then seal it shut and um you sing four songs through every door uh four native songs and um the elder that's leading it is pouring water on the rocks but it's all very symbolic and broken down esoterically in a way that i i had never received in like a sunday service um you know relating to my christian experiences but um i always find so much wisdom to gain in these ceremonies um but i i've uh, grown more and more inclined to take on larger roles as the years have went by, you know, I started out just, you know, coming to a few ceremonies here and there. And then it started to turn into, uh, every Saturday I was going and then it started, uh, every Saturday, um, I was, um, you know, helping with the fire and then getting asked to join the board. And, 
um, having fire duties uh, once a month or so um, to prepare the fire and learning what all goes into that and what the directions mean and um, just, you know, kind of going under the wing of my elder to like learn um, what they have learned and, you know, what is quite a miracle, um, if you will, to even be here, the fact that they still have passed it on um, because everything got passed down from mouth to mouth. Like they didn't write things down. So like, you know, the fact that they, they still have this living tradition to take part in is like quite an honor for me, man, and uh, a privilege. And I don't take that lightly. Um, but like just learning um, all the symbology behind it, like um, I've seen a lot of parallels, not only within Christianity and my upbringing, but like my uh, psychedelic experiences, my ayahuasca experiences, and just like the path of life and um, this death and rebirth uh, archetype that gets played out in all these stories of, um, you know, we, uh, it's like the, the metaphor of life is life is like a spiral and you continually come back to the same lessons you thought you knew or uh, had learned and see, see them from a different perspective. So like the symbolism of like crawling in the Anipi, the sweat lodge, um, you crawl into the left, um, men and women uh, sit separately and you go around in a circle, like you crawl in uh, and sit down. And then when you crawl out, you go out uh, the other side. So it's like, you're going in a circle, but it's also symbolic of the circle of life and we're all connected. Um, and like, there's no one left behind. So like, we're all part of this together type of thing. And like, you're, you're, you're feeling the, the elements together. Like it's, gets very hot in there. If you've ever been in a sauna, it's like that plus like 20 to 40 degrees, it gets freaking hot and it's pitch black. So you're, you're humbled in the sense of not only are you not getting in there in the suit, like you would go to church in and like seeing who's dressed the best today, like you're, you're in there in shorts, like the women are dressed in skirts and uh, shirts, but like uh, as a man, you're, you're very humble to get in there and just swim trunks, you know, and you, you, like not even jewelry or anything. Like you, you leave all that behind and you crawl in to be reborn. So you're going back to your youth and each, uh, so there's four parts of the lodge. So the first part is like your uh, infancy stage the second part being like your teenage years the third part being your adult years and then the fourth year being your elderly years so it's like the four stages of your life and like that's the ceremony itself is like taking you through a whole life experience to be reborn on the other side anew like to like uh filter out everything that's been bogging you down all these all this baggage you've uh acclimated throughout your life that you're still holding on to. It helps you to let go of those things and send up prayers um, to the creator to help you to work through those things and um, seeing healings take place in those ceremonies. And, you know, just to be in the dark and feel the, 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 the heartbeat of the earth uh, symbolically uh, brought through, through the drumming and the, the songs being sung and the rocks being brought in um, to impregnate Mother Earth that are put in the circle. So you have Mother Earth is like the lodge itself, like the earth it sits on. And in the uh, center, there's a big circle, which these rocks 
or Timkas, which are known as the grandfathers. Um, that's the masculine energy being brought in to impregnate the pre the female feminine divine feminine energy. So it's like a um a balancing of the two. And there's just so much um, you know, heartfelt um firsthand experience in that of um you're feeling the heat you're feeling the songs being sung you're feeling the uh deep wisdom being shared of ancestral uh traditions being passed down from generation to generation of knowledge that's been lost man and like the parallels between other religions like being openly spoken about and like um you know a spot being held for people to get sober and you know get their lives together to be better for themselves and their families. And um, it's just been um, quite an honor to be a part of it. And uh, I, I'm still learning a lot. I just made my first drum recently and I'm learning the songs, but um, yeah, it's, it's been an honor and a privilege. Um, I wish I could share more. I, I would point anyone to my show I did with uh, my elder Charles Bordeaux, Bordeaux um, who pours water at my sweat lodge um, to um, gain a deeper understanding of what all goes into that and what led him to it. Ironically, he was, he was raised Catholic and both his parents are native and are still Catholic, which I think goes to show like what's been done to that community of like, you know, he, he had to go back to his roots after being brought up as a Catholic um, to like, um, you know, have to find that on your own versus you're like born into it. Like, that's all, you know, like, it's quite a paradox to me of like, that's where we're at in society. But um, he's been a great teacher and a great mentor of mine through this period of my life. I find it very interesting that you've ex how you've experienced spirituality and different forms or different ways like you've experienced it through christianity through your psychedelic trips through um your experience with native americans and you, did you mention the bhagavad gita as well yeah so my roommate uh actually is a Hare krishna um he moved he, he moved out a couple months ago to uh um go to an ashram down in dallas texas so um we had many open-minded discussions behind the mic the last few years um, just about, um, you know, thoughts on Eastern ways of looking at things. Ram Das was a big teacher of his, and um, he was definitely keeping me spiritually grounded, being more conspiracy minded and um, getting into those sorts of subjects. But yeah, Bhagavad Gita as well, man. I think, you know, there's wisdom to be gained from all those ancient texts. Well, I was going to ask, um, with everything you've learned and everything you've experienced so far, how do you define God or the creator at this moment in time? Yeah, I think God is, uh, okay. I think that that question is like uh, a paradox in and of itself because you can't describe the undescribable. Um, if you ask me, what is God? I would say pause and that's God. Like that's how still and mystical and um, beyond our comprehension it is. Like it's the stillness beyond um, words. You know, it's it's uh, every it's the all that is. It's in everything, and um, it's uh, everything that it is not. Like it's 
it, it's it's the unthinkable it's 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 uh the untouchable but at the same time it's it's a connection that you have personally within yourself to um all that is and all that you are um it's like that that eternal flame that burns within you within your soul um it's it's you know the um the original source of that uh from my perspective like it's it's uh you know the the original um you know author or uh creator um spark that created all of this um it's that infinite intelligence that is beyond all comprehension um is like how i would describe what god is but i think the simplest way to say it man it's like you pause and that's god <laughs> and for some people maybe that's a little too hard to comprehend or like they think i'll be a woo woo or they're like that's like a shortcut to the answer but like that's like the easiest way for me to say it man yeah because it is describing the undescribable i think you've done it in a perfect way to, to be honest well, when you're talking about the sweat lodges, what I thought was good, what, what I thought the, the whole sort of ceremony sounds super refreshing um, because of how you mentioned when you go to church, everyone's got whoever's got the best suit on. Um, you see that sort of sense of materialism in embedded in religion. Uh, we see it here in the UK. Well, I, I see it a lot with the Muslim community. It's all about who can build the biggest mosque. And when I've started, when I, as I was growing up and I started hearing about it's all a competition to own the biggest mosque, it's sort of put in my head like that's just, it feels like the complete opposite of what God sh should be about or what belief should be about. Whereas I, sorry, Cam, whereas I, I think in Islam, it's traditional, I know it's turned into that into the, in the UK, but in Islam, it, traditionally, they're not supposed to be competing like that. That's why they go to mosque in to say everyone goes in the same clothes. Yeah. And I don't think it's, I think people have a hard time separating the message from the messenger. If, if that makes sense to use a metaphor of like, we've, we've, we've seen our external world turn into like these giant churches of all different religions, but like, what has that really done? Has it brought people closer together or farther apart? You know, have we focused on the wrong things throughout that method? Like not to say like you can't find community and wherever you find community, whether that's a sports team, whether that's a church, whether that's like a club of whatever nature, like a secret society, like we all have our different, you know, clubs we're a part of or like communities. But like, I think um, people get lost in like, okay, well, we're going to exclude those people in our club. And like, we've became so exclusive of not including everyone in on what we're doing. It's like, we're afraid to um, break barriers of like, who's allowed in and who isn't. It's like, you got to look a certain way to join a group nowadays versus like, if you go back to prophet Muhammad or uh, Jesus or any of these ascended masters, if you will, like if you get to the root of their message, I don't think any of them like, would have planned for this, you know, <laughs> like, uh, they said to beware of false prophets and beware of, uh, people who say they're things they're not, or, uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. You know, I think ultimately it's, it's your walk. It's your walk with the creator. It's your work, 
it's your walk with the divine and it's your work to do that. Like that's your journey that yes, there can be like a middleman to help you get there. But ultimately if the middleman is not helping you back to yourself and helping you to work on yourself, then is he really doing a job or just like kind of uh, being a gatekeeper to allow you into the party. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he's like the bouncer outside the door, like, sorry, v- VIPs only like, no, like I I'm already a VIP. I don't need VIP access. We're, we're all already VIPs in my mind. Like, and I think we get caught up in like thinking we have to be a certain way to be a part of something when we just have to be ourselves, man. You know, <laughs> that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, that's the beauty of well, well, what what you were saying with your um, Native American side. Um, another question I have was is around Aaron laid off and, and yourself obviously laid off the different types of spiritual journeys and awaken uh, all that sub awakenings in a sense that you've had. But you've talked a lot about conspiracy now. Me and Aaron, and the reason why we kind of started the podcast is we are curious of the world and we we, we sort of love conspiracies. Um, but it. What I kind of added, we've asked a lot of guests before, like, how would you try and influence other people to go on a spiritual journey? And I've been reflecting on that question a lot recently because I've been like, well, why am I on a spiritual journey? And my spiritual journey actually came from me looking into conspiracies because it all sort of leads back to ancient times, ancient philosophies. And without even knowing it, you end up in this sort of spiral of spirituality and it's I guess it's kind of up to the, the user if they want to dig deeper in or if they want to just if they get a bit afraid and they don't want to go down but we've sort of me and Aaron have sort of gone two two foot straight straight in um how can you explain your spiritual journey on the conspiracy side can you see a connection there with your spirituality oh yeah man I I, I wouldn't be where I'm at if I didn't you know have that initial awakening to like the world is fucked like everything's corrupt like all politicians are corrupt like banks aren't what they say they are like the federal reserve does not create money uh the titanic the titanic sinking there's a lot more to that story like all these false flags throughout history um you know you start to get into his story like uh the victors write history how they want it to be written and i think you can't you can't leave uh, ancient texts out of that either. And I think, you know, it was getting past the surface level of things, like getting into astro theology and, um, you know, like looking at the Bible or any of these texts, like biologically, like it's speaking as like the body is a temple. And like you get into the deeper aspects of that, like, oh, it's like telling you like, your body is the church. Like the church isn't this building with four walls. Like you are the church and you need to like clean up that church and like get that church right to where like other people could come to you and like find, um, you know, the, the radiant light that's alive in them and you, because you're radiating that in your daily life, just in how you carry yourself and how you are as a person. And that, that, that flame has never gone out. Like that flame is alive in you. Um, that's the divine spark that's alive in all of us. But I feel like we're so accustomed to like building a callousness over that throughout our life experiences, throughout 
all the division in our world of all these isms of um, who we think we are and all these titles we put upon ourselves to like not even do justice of who we truly are. Like we're all God's children in my mind. Like uh, we all, we all were here for a purpose. Like, um, and I think, you know, when you get into conspiracies and you start to see like um, everything I was taught growing up is a lie and like the world isn't what I thought it was you start to, you know, get into this black pilled mentality, like, well, what's the point of living anymore then? Like, it's very depressing, honestly. And um, it's a lot to take in. And then especially like early on back in 2012, man, like we've come a long ways as far as like uh, it not being so taboo anymore. I think the last two years, like provided a lot of that to come through of like, now you can like openly talk about conspiracies where people don't think you're like a crackpot like homeless person or something like that, you know, doesn't have a roof over his head or like doesn't have any responsibilities. Like it's, it's quite a paradox because like you said, man, and you know, Sam Tripoli always says like, um, if you take it out the right way, conspiracies always lead you back to spirituality and ultimately yourself, because I think that's what spirituality is, is like going within and like just sitting with yourself, starting to examine yourself, starting to get to know yourself on a deeper level, um, starting to see your connection to the all that is like to creator, to uh, uh, the divinity that's all around us. Um, and you start to pick up on synchronicities and like miracles and like chance interactions that uh, you never would have expected to happen or like right off as coincidence. Like you start to see the magic all around you. Like once you start to plug in to, um, you know, more positive um, mindsets, I guess, or like, just like that. Um, okay. Although um, they've set this world up how they have, and, you know, there's very rich uh, elite, uh, if you will, families that run this world, um, what can I do, uh, to combat that? Do I combat that by just calling it out and saying, um, these people are evil. They're doing blood sacrifices and all this like crazy, uh, evil shit, or do I get myself right first, um, and start to make positive changes on myself and what I can control in my life and start to build my life the way I want it start to be self-sustainable in the ways that I can start to grow my own food, start to um, do meditations on a daily basis, start to tap into breath work and natural ways of getting to, you know, what you can accomplish through ayahuasca or DMT, just through naturally bringing that out within you through a natural sober practice, like breath work or meditation. Um, you know, these, these are practices that go back eons, man. And I think that those are the deeper conspiracies of like, they've been doing this for centuries, man. And I, I feel like, you know, once you get into the occult and like, can get past like the religious dogma of like all that stuff's evil and like, it's all witchcraft and like, there's nothing to gain from any of that. Like ultimately I think the people that run the world, I, I, I think they've, tapped into knowledge that um, they've kept us from accessing and whether or not they're using that um, knowledge for good or bad um, that's up to us to decide individually, I think, or what we can um, 
take from what we can see on the world stage. But at the end of the day, that's still knowledge that um, we can choose to seek out on our own or not. And, um, you know, that's how we stay ignorant is um, refusing to look into anything that's like turn them into what they are. Like, how did they become so powerful? Like maybe they had access to things that they kept other you know, lesser than people like they would frame them as from accessing so they could retain the power that they still hold today. And I think all of us have access to that power if we choose to access it. But first, we have to look at ourselves and we have to um, start to seek out knowledge that we've been kept from accessing. Um, But ultimately, I think uh, psychedelics can really kickstart that that uh, journey for each of us individually, not to say they're, um, you know, meant for everyone. And that's why I think there's these alternative practices like breath work, meditation, yoga, chanting um, that are out there to provide that for people that may not be um, made to use psychedelics. But then you look into indigenous cultures and, you know, our mental health crisis here in the West and like how we frame people as like crazy and we just throw them into a locked room in a straitjacket and like numb them out on pharmaceutical drugs, which I believe that it's that in itself is witchcraft and sorcery, like doing that to a person and like taking the spiritual component out of like what this person is suffering from, whether um, they do need an exorcism or like something spiritual to be done, like a plant medicine ceremony or like they need to be guided through a healing ceremony of some sort um, and um, a medicine man that can um, deal with this in the right way or like has the experience to deal with these things that in our Western medical system, we just don't, we just don't um, give any attention to, or we think is like pseudoscience, which in reality, I think regular science, what we call science has been, uh, inverted and uh science is actually pseudoscience and pseudoscience is actually the real authentic original science that's been lost and it's been set up that way on purpose to keep us from accessing who we truly are like what is our purpose here and what is our deeper mission because um if we don't know who we truly are how can we know what we're doing here or how we can like make the world a better place like we're just going to go through the motions and like keep spinning out and like keep going in circles and like keep keep waiting for a savior to come or waiting for them to come save us waiting for a handout for us to like do anything and that's never going to work i think we have to be proactive we have to be um you know uh ready to get out of our comfort zones and for a lot of us that is hard man like i think that's where they've got us is like they've got us in these like comfort prisons, if you will. Like, yeah, we have a house, we have um, money to cover our basic needs, like the uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs are met. But like, what if you have those met and you're still feel like you're purposeless and like there's no purpose beyond what you're doing um, and you're still focusing on like um, what they're saying in the news or you know, whatever distraction, um, they've chosen to, you know, roll out to like, keep us fighting with each other. And like, as long as we continue to plug into that, 
rather than be discerning and like take from it what we need and um, show how it's being used against us. I think we're going to continue to be held short of like what we're really here to do and like the place we can create here because we outnumber them like 99 to one. It's not even close. Like it's like 99 to 0.01, you know? And uh, I think we need to keep that in mind of like just how impactful we really are. Like the fact you guys took the leap of faith and belief in yourselves to start your show, man, I think says a lot about who you guys are and what your mission is here. And, you know, you've chosen not to be mediocre and you've chosen to, you know, get out of your comfort zone to do this because it's not easy, man. It's not easy to like get behind the mic and like, you know, get over the anxiety of like, what are people going to think? Because, you know, we live in a world where everyone is so sensitive. Everyone is triggered by like the, the least, uh, uh, uncomfortable statements, you know, like stand up comedy is like a miracle to still exist. The fact that they can still say certain things because I think, uh, it was either Tripoli that said, it or some comedian, it's like, they're the, they're the last art form that's keeping us from being completely enslaved because as long as comedy is around, we can, uh, freely laugh and joke about the polarities in our society without getting up in arms or wanting someone's head on a chopping block or wanting them removed from society completely. And as long as that's alive and well, um, in all art forms, like I think we're heading in the right direction and we can't get caught up in everything's fucked. Like, um, you know, everyone got vaccinated. Um, the new world orders here and here to stay. Like we have no hope to change the plans they've set out for us that's exactly where they want us to be, man. Like that's exactly the mindset they want us in. Like we have no hope. We can't do anything. We have no power. We're powerless. Like, no, as long as we're in that mindset, we are going to be powerless and we are not going to make any change. But I think if we can switch that off and like not stay stuck in like this conspiracy rabbit hole forever, like I think we have to get out of it at a certain point and like take what we've learned and apply it to our lives, like of how we can be more inspirational, more impactful to others and be of service to others. But first we have to fill our own cup. We have to get healthy. We have to um, get mentally healthy, spiritually healthy, start to eat better, start to exercise, start to grow our own food, um, start to, you know, just be the be the change you wish to see in the world, as Gandhi said, you know, um, and watch how that starts to um, cause ripple effects in your life. Like once you start to um, get past these triggering aspects of yourself when you're around others and uh, you see others like react to that and respond to that of like, wow, like you used to react like super uh, quick witted and like angry when I like bring these up bring, bring these topics up. And now you're like calm and like collected. And like, I can actually talk to you about it. Like, what did you do to change? And they they start to become curious. And then you start to become an example for others to follow suit. And it's just magic, man. Like once you start to, um, really, uh, be the sculptor of who you are and who you can become, um, watch the magic start to play out in your life. And everyone around you start to follow suit, man. Like it's, 
it's like uh, Carl Jung would say, man, what you resist persists. And as long as we're in resistance to um, why we're here and what we're here to do, we're going to continue to be a victim of the world, you know, built around us. Yeah. And what, what you say about stand up comedians being sort of the last, um, the last art form here that's actually able to do something. I like the fact that, and I've identified that all of these big um, stand up comics have created podcasts because a lot, there's a lot of people that are, don't have the ability to do stand up comedy, obviously. But what I've seen, the likes of Joe Rogan, obviously the, the main one, but everyone else that followed suit and created podcasts as well. It, it creates a, like a sub community of what the stand up comics are doing, but for everyone else, because we've managed to start a podcast. And now the podcast space is growing infinitely. So the, and I think it's becoming more and more of a safe space to safe space to talk about certain things that we want to talk about. And it wouldn't be at the stage it's at if not for the stand up comics and the, and the big stand up comics. So I think where it was just on stand up comedy, they're the only ones left that can talk about stuff. They've then built the platform and multiplied the platform by saying, look guys, just jump on a podcast. It doesn't matter how many people you end up talking to, as long as you can inspire even one person, you're making, you're making moves and you're, and you're actually doing something to the community. So that's one thing that keeps me driven that this is being laid out and we are all part of building this new community, which give it 10 years time. And if things are getting worse in society, the podcasting scene is going to get better. It's going to get bigger and it's going to get more reliable and sooner or later i do have a feeling that the community is going to break off from normal sort of society and things will start looking better but yeah so it's like you've been saying the whole way through find it with yourself first like you've done with and setting up your podcast like i've done like aaron's done setting up ours more people that do that and just break away and start something we're growing a community you might look at the amount of views you're getting the amount of subscribers and think well it's not growing that much but we're a small part of a bigger picture, which in a few years' time will uh will be it will be great. Yeah, I, I definitely think the scales are tipping, man. And like you start to see um, you know, churches are losing numbers, uh, mainstream media is losing viewers, um, less people are voting despite what they want to tell us. Like Biden got the most votes ever in a US election. I find that very hard to believe and I doubt it to be true. Um, and I choose to believe otherwise. And like, that's the power we have, man, the power of belief, you know, we can make, we can make, uh, ourselves sick, but we can also make each other or make ourselves thrive. And, uh, that's a daily choice we get up and have to make, you know, I think, uh, it starts off with, you know, being humble and being grateful for all that you already have, but all that's coming to you and like all you continue to receive, um, uh, you, you know, talking with like Chris Matthew and, uh, from forbidden knowledge news, um, you know, seeing him like uh, above like Don Lemon's, uh, CNN podcast and like some of these big talking heads on the podcast charts, I think it starts to tell you where things are going. Like, people aren't plugging into the system anymore. And like, we're going off the reservation. And, um, you know, I think we're all helping each other out. Like this is a big community, man. And I, I think you guys are finding that out too, is like, we're all here to help each other. And like, we're all trying to like heal the collective and like shine a light for the collective of like, 
no, it's not this dark and gloomy future they want us to believe in. Like we're, we're creating our own future, man. Like we're, we're going to do this together. And, um, you know, like you said, man, when you get down of like, not enough people are listening or like, what am I doing this for? Like, you'll get that one message, um, from a person someday of like, you know, I was in a really tough spot. I was in a really rough place. And, you know, your message really picked me up when I was feeling down and that's the stuff that keeps you going, man. Um, that's what we're here to do is like be of service to others. And, you know, we can be selfish and like take all that we've gained from this life and like continue to pour it back into ourselves. But at a certain point, um, you got to give back and, um, you know, help the others along that are still stuck in the dark and uh, bring them over to where we're at in the light, man, because I think that's, that's, that's where the future lies. And like, if we want to see heaven on earth, like we want to see a better world. Like that's, that's what we got to keep doing, man. And like not get down on ourselves. Cause like it hasn't happened yet. It's happening, man. Like it doesn't happen overnight. Like we got to be patient. And, you know, I think that's something I learned at a young age, like having a dad in a wheelchair, you know, like I had to develop patience early and I think we're so quick to like want instant gratification in our society, whether it's through social media or whatever Avenue, like we've just been accustomed to like, um, want what we want to manifest the moment we want it. Like, and if we don't have it, we get down in the dumps about it and like, we make it worse than like the original desire to have that thing we wanted. It's like, we're not doing ourselves any service by like thinking like that. So I think if we could just shift our perspective on things and like control, we can control and like put our best foot forward. Like we're going to see a better world inevitably. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I see that with society today. It's, um, I see, well, I've heard a lot of people talking about most podcasters they'll they expect to go viral in just a couple of months, really. And if they don't go viral, then they just sort of put the mic down, so to speak, and, and don't come back to it. But you need to distance yourself from that and look at what you're producing with yourself. And we've been doing this for a year and a bit now. And that year and a bit, I've probably developed more than any time in my whole life, just because I've put myself in challenging situations, had challenging conversations with people that have pushed me um, a certain degree. Yeah, I think that's the benefit of doing this podcast is we're, we're developing ourselves as well as putting it out there for the people to learn from the content as well. Like if you go to our earlier videos, you can sort of log our whole journey through what we've been on since we started the podcast, which I think is a great thing, a great tool for anybody that's starting out the journey. And wants to sort of understand the path we've been on. Yeah. And like, if you guys have kids someday, like that's, that's a legacy they'll always have of you, you know? And like, I think it's, it's another way we can live on after we're gone. You know, it's like a way we can achieve immortality. Um, materially speaking, like, you know, it's, it's always going to be here and it's like leaving our mark, leaving our legacy and, you know, it's, it's humble to see that growth throughout that process of like where you started and um, where you're heading and like what you're becoming. And, you know, I think, you know, as a podcaster myself, man, I, I know where you guys are at and I know it's tough to like find the why every day and like 
when <laughs> you're like busy as hell and you're like, oh, I got to squeeze this podcast in. You're like, God, I just don't know if I can do it today. Like, remember the why, man. Like, remember why you're doing this. And um, I think that's important, but also of um, like keeping in perspective too of like, nothing is successful overnight. Like ask any business owner, like they're not seeing a profit, like literally a profit, like a dollar profit for usually, you know, a year to five years into the business. Like it's, it's a long journey to get there. And I think it's the same with a podcast, man. Like you just have to keep chipping away. Um, keep putting your best foot forward, um, learning as you go, um, see what works and what doesn't, um, and learn from others, man. Like there's so many resources out there. We live in the age of information. Like you can do anything nowadays that you set your mind to with all the resources available. And I think it's the greatest time in the world to be alive because we have access to all these things. And like, it is what we make them, you know? Um, I think, um, this has been a tough year for me because I feel that wholeheartedly, um, changing jobs, um, starting new relationships, um, working through a lot of tough times, um, family stuff, uh, personal stuff going on, you know, just trying to keep my head on straight, trying to not burn myself out and like, remember to take care of myself because I realized that, you know, when I'm not taking care of myself, I'm not fair to others. And, you know, I'm going to be snappy and crabby and like, uh, I'm just not going to be my best self. So like, if it, it takes stepping away from the podcast for a few months to like come back with a fresh new perspective and like my best foot forward, like that's what I got to do. And like, um, you know, knowing that it's always going to be there too. Like just because um, you take a month off doesn't mean you can't pick up where you left off. Like be gracious with yourself and like be patient. So what, when you say you take, um, this is well, obviously for, for us and for the audience too, I, I see a lot of people struggle finding balance because there's a, a, a slight issue where people, and I've had it and I say I'm coming out the back end of it now, but a, a lot of people have this feeling where if they're not doing something, if, if they're not doing something, which means they're not working, they're not working on, I don't know, a side hustle, they're not doing something which equals monetary gain then they have a sense of guilt inside them where they're like oh shit i need to be doing something i need to be doing something and then they feel like it's like the procrastination on another level where they feel pure guilt inside them how would you explain sort of finding that balance and addressing that guilt that people find mm. yeah that's been a lifelong journey of mine like if uh, any of you guys have me on facebook i think in my bio for ever since that LSD journey I discussed earlier, like I put in my bio, like, um, balance is everything or something about balance. Um, I'm trying, I, I'm, uh, uh, losing my train of thought on that, but uh, that's the story of my life, man, is finding that balance. Um, and, um, it's not easy. And I think we go through polarities of like, um, multiple extremes where, we're hardly doing anything for weeks on end and like we're being almost become lazy. Uh, and then there's other times where we're doing like the jobs of three people and like a very short amount of time. And like, 
we're having trouble like coming up for air at points and um, then we get burnt out and then we go back to that lazy period again. And I think it it's ebb and flows, man. And it's being more gracious with yourself on a daily basis of like, what can I fit in today and what can't I? And um, figuring out the model that works for you. I think writing things down has like been a major lesson in my life of like, man, the, the, the times I could have wrote things down and should have and regretted not doing it. I'm still learning that on a daily basis. Um, that's a big one. I think, um, you know, setting time out for yourself, um, whether it's to meditate, take a bath, um, do a cold plunge, like, uh, do a yoga class, do some yoga at home. There's plenty of free yoga on YouTube. That's at your disposal. Um, don't feel ashamed. Like, uh, yoga is great for beginners. Like you can start anywhere. There's so many freaking videos on YouTube. Yoga has been a huge practice from time to time. Um, exercise is great. Just going for a walk out in nature. Um, you know, just carving in those practices because don't forget to be as well. Don't forget, uh, despite how much society tells us we always have to be doing and making money or, you know, we're lazy if, you know, everything we're doing isn't translating into money. Um, remember, remember to take some time out for yourself as well. Um, you know, as long as your bills are paid, like take care of that first. I understand that. But like, even if you like overexert yourself, cause I'm guilty of this too, man, like I've taken a lot of trips this year, a lot of vacations, probably more than I should have. And, you know, I'm, I'm hard on myself with that. Cause it's like, you know, temporarily I'm going to be financially in straits and like, you know, going to be getting out of debt and like going to have to work my butt off to like pay off, you know, some past vacations or past experiences, but those experiences will always stay with you. And those are priceless. And don't forget that part of it too. Like, don't get hung up on the stress of, you know, overworking for some weeks at a time to like make up for, um, time you're enjoying yourself. Like that's, that is the balance of like, um, you'll go through ebbs and flows, but like pace yourself. Don't, don't go pedal the metal every day, day in, day out. Like remember to, um, take a day where you just do nothing, where you just, uh, do, um, some spiritual practices, really sit with yourself take some time to read a book you've been putting off for a long time or listen to a podcast you've wanted to listen to, but you haven't made the time for, um, whatever it may be. Um, I think there's so many modalities out there to bring you back to yourself and like that stillness that's within you. That's always, um, wanting your attention, um, just to like check in and make sure you're good before you keep, you know, going pedal the metal and, um, grinding it out because it's, it's hard to find that, uh, on a daily basis with this society we live in where it's, um, you're not enough if you're not constantly doing, but I'm telling you, it's rewarding to like, take that time out to like check in and, um, just get still for a minute. I think that's a, it's a great message that you, you've given. Cause there's something I personally struggle with myself. I always, if I'm a, just sat like watching a film or something. I feel bad, like guilty that I'm not doing anything productive. Whereas you don't need to always be doing something productive. You can just take the time just to not do anything and have that time to yourself. Yeah. 
just like keeping that inner voice in check, you know, um, there's many, many ways you can look at that of like the light and the shadows, Carl Jung would put it or, um, um, just different archetypes or like words you can use to describe that inner voice or the awareness beyond the awareness. Um, and, you know, just to check in with that every once in a while. And like, um, I think self-talk is super important and that's something we don't talk about enough in the truth community because, you know, the subjects we cover can be so daunting and like depressing and, um, very heavy. Um, so sometimes we need to like, um, offload that and, um, you know, purge ourselves, um, purify, um, you know, go sit in the sauna for a while and just get quiet, you know, just get real quiet and, um, listen to the thoughts that come up and don't, don't fixate on them. Just watch them pass by and see what comes up, but you'll get better and better at that as time goes by and, um, be patient with yourself and graceful with yourself. You don't become a Buddhist monk overnight, but like, you know, it, it's a continual work and a balance just to, um, take the time out to do that for yourself. Cause no one's going to tell you to do it other than you, like you have to decide that for yourself. And it's like, if you decide to watch a movie out of pleasure or like just for fun, like be graceful with yourself and that, like how often do I actually take time to watch a movie? Like right now I'm taking time to watch a movie and it's okay. Um, I'll make up for it later and maybe tomorrow I won't watch a movie and I'll do something more productive and read a book or work on my podcast or whatever. It's just like um, watch the way in which we talk to ourselves and like, as that changes, like watch our life change and watch what we do change and like how we manage our time change and what we choose to focus on change. Like, um, a big one I've been working with lately is like, how much am I talking about other people and like, what purpose is that serving? Like just drama or gossip or that type of shit of, you know, what am I choosing to focus on? What am I putting my energy towards? Is it productive or is it stagnant? Is it holding me back? Is it taking me uh, deeper into, um, you know, low vibrations, uh, depressed way of looking at things, stuff like that, of um, keeping that in check on a daily basis, man, is so key to living a healthy life. It's just like that inner chatter we got going on. Like, how are we talking to ourselves? Like, um, being graceful when we want to guilt trip the shit out of ourselves for like eating a chocolate, <laughs> chocolate ice cream cone or something, you know, like just like little things, like we, we get hung up on when it's just like, dude, you're doing the best you can with the knowledge you have at your disposal. So like be forgiving with yourself and like be open to, uh, setbacks, but get right back up where you left off. Yeah. That's really well put. One thing I noticed um, quite early on was I, I went on a trip with my with my other half, not well, about a year ago now. And usually when we go and on these trips and you know, be the tourist, I guess we're always rushing around for some reason. Um, and I've sort of picked up um, photography as a bit of a, a bit of a side hobby because um, I like the path I take from taking a photo to editing it, and it's I just like that creativity of it. And I took my camera on one of these trips and after self-reflecting on it, just having my camera there meant that we slowed right down. Instead of rushing from point A to point B, we slowed down. So I was trying to work out if I could take a photo of anything. And then 
we the whole trip ended up being so relaxed at a point where we ended up going for a drink in a place we wouldn't usually stop off and have a drink we would just walk straight past to get to where we were going and the whole trip was i would say one of the best it wasn't even a great place that we went to but the whole trip was one of the best sort of experiences that we've had together because it was just so everything just was slowed down and there was no rush and then you sort of think well why is everything always a rush to get point a to point b to do point b as fast as you can and then to get to point c rather than point a to point b the journey itself is the experience right so um the reason i'm saying that is what i've noticed is just identifying where improvements can be made and identifying different experiences that you have and what they actually mean and are they good for you do they feel good for you do they make you feel bad just identifying it is a great starting place for anything because it's self-awareness right it's that you are identifying that something's not aligning right with you and why is it not but i see a lot of people and myself included in the past i wouldn't i would just rush around not feel good feel clump clunky and i just wouldn't even think about why i would just have this uh bit of a I don't know, like a clunky feeling about myself. But I think that was a great eye-opener because since that um, I identified that, I started going through my life and then picking up more stuff and different things. And then when I'm having these conversations with people, like you mentioned early on in the podcast, that you learn lessons sometimes which you don't even realise you've learned until you put in a situation where that lesson <laughs> can be put into place. So, Such a paradox, man. I know, right? So this, this conversation has been amazing for me because it's put a lot it's put a lot into sort of perspective for me and in, in where certain things sit in my life. So I want to just say thank you for, uh, for what you've done today. <laughs> thank you guys. Uh, it's been an honor. And, uh, you know, I think what you were just saying there, Cam, you know, just, uh, flowing through life and like not trying to be, be a control freak and be in control of everything. Like it's, it's such a paradox to think that like the greatest trips we could ever plan, uh, are the ones that go unplanned or like where we just do things spontaneously where it's not like we have it all set out. Like we have this like spreadsheet of like, we're going to be there at this time and like this log and we got to be there at the next place at this time. It's like, that just causes more stress, you know, and it's like unneeded when you could just enjoy your time there and like, just be present. You know, that's the hardest lesson in life. It's like, what do they say? Uh, looking back on the past breeds uh, depression or anxiety or depression, I believe, because you're uh, resentful about what could have gone right in the past. And then if you're focused on the future, you're getting anxious about what could happen in the future. But if you're present, you're not worried about any of that. You're just enjoying life as it comes to you, you know? Yeah. It's the power of now, right? Yeah. Eckhart Tolle. Great book. Thanks guys. It's been an honor. Really oh, thank you. Cheers, Andre. Yeah. I think we should uh, definitely do this again, I think, because... For sure. Yeah. Well, me and Aaron are on a journey. Uh, you're obviously on a journey um, as oh, well. Wow. So yeah, when, when we have certain conversations, I always feel like it'd be great to come back to them, you know, a few months at a time, because I'd yeah. like to see where you've progressed on your journey. And obviously, I'd like to show you where we've gone on ours as well. Beautiful. Love to be a part of it, guys. Oh, thanks everyone for uh, for listening. Thanks, Andre. For Cheers, guys. Bye.